This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you in part by Rosedale Communications, offering author-centric literary consulting, writing, and editing services to help you capture your voice, craft your message, edit your content, and publish your completed manuscript for business or ministry online at craftingyourmessage.com. Hey there, it's producer Michael Miracle here. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast. We are your on-air resource as a workplace believer. And check out our website for tons more I Work For Him resources. We've got blogs and podcasts and reading material and all sorts of fun stuff there. Plus, a link to listen to the live show several times a day. Yep, head to the website. That's IWorkForHim.com. IWorkTheNumberForHim.com. And the listen tab's up there on the top left. Click that, then click the live link, and you can listen to us live every weekday. That's IWorkForHim.com. I work the number four him.com. And now let's go ahead and kick off what we all came here for, hearing more about connecting what we learn on Sunday with what we do in our nine to five. This is the I Work For Him podcast. And as you tune into I Work For Him in so many different ways, we're just grateful that you're here and you're listening. Make sure you check us out online at IWorkForHim.com. That's I Work the number four him.com. And on Facebook, it's I Work For Him. On Instagram, it's I Work For Him. Martha, it's everywhere, right? Yeah, I think it's just Twitter as I work for him radio. I'm not exactly sure why, but that's what we did. So, you know, just to mix it up a little bit. All right, so let's get it started today. How many kidneys do you have and how many do you need? Why did God give you an extra one? I think I know an answer. On today's show, we're going to talk with an organ. We're going to talk organ transplantation, being an organ donor while you're alive. We venture off to Minneapolis, Minnesota today to talk with two of my old friends, Bill and Nikki Boyson. Father and daughter both have had serious kidney issues. Nikki had a miraculous kidney transplant last year. Now dad's on the list. His kidneys weigh a combined 74 unhealthy pounds. His only hope for an extended life, an organ donation from you. Bill and I have been friends for almost 30 years. Today, I honor an old friend and his daughter and the miraculous God we serve who has the forethought to give us two kidneys so we could give one of them away. Bill Boyson, Nikki Paddock, welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you very much, Jim. Thanks. Bill, talk about talk about what's going on in your life. Why are you at this spot today where you need a kidney? Well, I was born with a hereditary disease that was handed down on my mother's side of the family called PKD, or polycystic kidney disease. And as the disease has progressed in my body, unfortunately, you can get regular, your kidneys can stay regular size or get extremely large. And in my case, they've gotten extremely large. And now they're, they're to the point where they're failing, so I need to either get a transplant or I need to get them removed and go on dialysis because they're just not doing the job. Well, and that's what the doctors are talking about. They're talking about removing your kidneys to give your other organs a chance to relax and go back into place. How, but when doing that, that means you automatically have to do what? When your kidneys come out, what has to happen right away? I have to go on dialysis. And what does that mean? Well, that's where you got to go in three times a week in my case. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 6 to 10 and sit in a recliner and have your blood filtered where they hook you up with uh, two IV needles into your arm and you have your blood filtered for four hours to remove all the waste and uh, bad products that your kidney normally uh, eliminates from your body normally. So it's like getting an oil change every other day. Correct. Wow. Okay. All right. Now, this hereditary thing You've got a daughter, Nikki. Nikki, you're on the you're on the line with us. You've also had bad kidneys, but what happened? What kind of miracles happened in your life? Your your disease wasn't the same, was it? The cystic kidney issue? 
It is, it is the same, the polycystic kidney disease, except my kidneys didn't um, grow to the weight that dad's did. They just got long and straight like your hand from uh, palm to tip, and uh, my kidneys failed. So I needed a transplant. So, But God worked an incredible miracle in your life, Nikki. Tell us what happened. He definitely did. He, he, um, I always believe in uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, that God has plans for me and for a hope and a future. And he, he brought that hope in the form of my coworker, Chris Kramer. Um, she was with me through the whole process and listened to um, everything I had to say and pray, prayed with me. And um, through the process, I was in the paper, and family came forth, and friends, but it just didn't pan out. And along that journey of her seeing me go through that, she herself decided to get tested and ended up being my donor. Um, So it was approved uh, last December on the 19th that it was a go, and um, I got my transplant from her on my left side, my new kidney, on uh, April 10th of 2017. And we were there to see you not long after that. How was that recovery process? You know, it was pretty miraculous because before they even stitched me up, my kidney had turned pink and it was it was working and I was out of the hospital and I was ahead of schedule. And when I saw you guys, I was feeling great. So mm. I was no longer tired. I wasn't in pain anymore. And I was doing really, really well. It was a miracle. Mm, it really it definitely was a miracle from God. Amen. And, you know, that's the thing that we want people to hear today, that um, they know that this is um, a need around our country and around our world, but also that um, God had his hand in picking your donor, um, Nikki, and what a precious process that's been. And you have a special you have a special spot in your heart for uh, Chris. And I know that that is did not come without sacrifice on her part as well. How was the recovery process for Chris? It was, it was pretty quick. She was back to work within eight weeks, and, um, you know, I took a little longer than that. And, you know, Chris said it best um, recently. I told her there was just no way to thank her adequately, and, you know, just, there's no way to say thank you enough. And she said to me that this experience was divine, that she feels that she's called to love the Lord and serve the fellow man, and this is something that she could do as giving up one of her kidneys to um, save my life. Well, then now you could say it to a national audience. Chris Kramer, we're so grateful that you gave up one of your kidneys to save Nikki Paddock. And we're so thankful for that. Well, anything else you want to say to those people that are now considering donating a kidney to your dad, Bill Boyson? As we're doing the show today, you know, this is a little bit odd for I work for him, but I really wanted to highlight, you know, our friendship. And we've got this platform. And Bill, because your life is on the line, because you need a kidney, I wanted to use this platform for God's glory to show our audience that a miracle can happen. But in order to donate a kidney, they need to get a hold of Susanna Gust at Abbott Northwestern Hospital, 612-863-8886. That's Susanna Gust, 612-863-8886. That's how they can get started in the process to see if they qualify. Now, Bill, if somebody calls into that number and their blood type is not the right blood type, there can some exchanges can be made, right? Isn't there like a kidney exchange? Like I don't my kidney, donate my kidney here, and they get it to donate there, and they donate it to that person, and eventually they find one with the match for you. Isn't that how that kind of works? That's correct. They call it a pairing program, and it's like a domino effect. They could maybe get. I think the biggest pairing was eighty-eight people. Mm-hmm. 88 kidneys involved, and they were all from all over the United States, different people offering to donate, and their kidney maybe didn't 
matched the person they wanted to donate to, but they put their kidney up that another person could get it if they had somebody that would donate another kidney. And like I said, there was a, a total of 88 kidneys swapped before they, everybody was satisfied and had their new kidneys. Nikki, before we let you go, because I know we got to let you get back into the classroom, what's one word you'd like to say to the iWork Ram audience on behalf of your dad? Um, a couple of words, actually. Um, you know, just have faith in um, God and uh, follow your heart that, you know, we are given two for a reason and um, we only need one to actually live. So um, look into your hearts and into your faces of your children and family around you and look at the the health and the love that you have with them and see if you can uh, donate and push it forward to others. Uh, Nikki, thanks for calling in. I really appreciate it. I'm so grateful for your incredible healing going on a year with that new kidney, Mm -hmm. and I'm glad that it's going so well. And how are you feeling? Are you feeling a lot better? Oh, I feel great. I've been... um just uh, moving forward. I have my energy back. I have. I can do the steps instead of doing the elevator, and I'm just making gains left and right. So it's been wonderful. Well, make sure you say hi to Anna for us, and we're grateful that you called in. Thank you, Nikki. Thanks, Nikki. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. Bill, we want to make sure that people know how they can get involved in kidney donation. And we're going to hear from a doctor right after the break. But we, Susanna Gust is a- a- acting on your behalf at Abbott Northwestern Hospital there in Minneapolis. She's part of the kidney transplant, uh, kidney donor coordinator. People can reach her at 612-863-8886, 612-863-8886. A kidney donated will save a life. Bill, why don't you say a few words to our I Work Frame audience as an appeal for a kidney for you? Well, the one thing I'd like to add on my daughter's behalf is to let your audience know that God works in great ways. The doctors at Abbott Northwestern that did Nicole's kidney transplant, they rate the kidney on how well it matches. And after Nikki had about six months of recovery, the doctors told us that Christine was a match that was even better than a sibling. I mean, God picked the perfect person. And of all the people that tried to donate for Nicole, this one God picked was perfect. Mm. And I mean... You know that God works in mysterious ways when you get a match like that. That's right. Today, Martha, you and I are highlighting the the task, the, and that's not the right word, the uh, trial that our good friend Bill Boyce, and we've known Bill for 30 years. It's amazing. 1988 we met. He needs a kidney. And I really wanted to use the I Work For Him platform, which goes out to thousands of people to let people know not only about the fact that our kidneys could save a life, but maybe one of our listeners could save Bill's. Amen. And, you know, I just love the fact that we talk often about generosity in different areas of our life. And this is one that I am guessing a lot of our listeners have never thought about before. So just wanting to um, stir the hearts of the people that are listening and help them to think a little bit differently and outside of the box. And if there is something that you can do um, in in Bill's life or in the life of someone that they know or this whole thing with pairing, what a great thing that would be to be able to pay it forward. So if you want to be considered to be a kidney donor on behalf of my buddy Bill Boyce and whether you are a direct match or not, you could call Susanna Gust, 612-863-8886, 612-863-8886 to be considered. They put you through a little, little trial mechanism to figure out what what kind of blood type you have, how you, what kind of kidneys you've got, what kind of condition they're in, 
and uh, they'll do that. Now, we're going to get back to Bill in a second, but we've got Dr. Paul Staler calling in from Abbott Northwestern Hospital. Now, Dr. Paul, what is your title there at Abbott Northwestern? I'm one of the transplant surgeons um, at Abbott Northwestern. So how many of these kidney transplants have you done? How many kidney transplants have I done? Uh, A couple hundred. (laughs) So so a few, just a few of them. How miraculous is it that we've been given an extra kidney and you can take a kidney out of one body and put it in another one and it works? Yeah, it really is. It really is amazing. Um, You know, the the need for kidney uh, donors out there is just growing exponentially. Um, So... You know, across the United States, there's probably about 95,000 people that are waiting um, currently for a kidney transplant. And unfortunately, there aren't that many donors that become available. Um, And so that corresponds to about 13 people passing away every day um, before they can get a kidney transplant. So what's a surgery like? I mean, you're going to take a kidney out of one person, you're going to place it in another one. And in Bill's case, it's going to be a huge weight loss method for him. He's going to lose 74 pounds of cystic kidneys and they put a fresh one in. How, How extensive is it for the donor? Yeah, so um, living donation, uh, kidney transplant surgery uh, has progressed a lot in the last 40 years. Um, primarily now we're doing it uh, minimally invasive, uh, meaning that we do it uh, laparoscopically. It typically involves four small incisions, uh, about two centimeters in length, uh, and then uh, one uh, incision that's about eight centimeters that we uh, um, hide in the pant line, which is how we extract the kidney. Uh, the surgery itself generally takes about two to three hours. Um, uh, Donors are typically in the hospital for two to three days afterwards. Um, The recovery process at home is typically about two weeks um, off of work where, uh, where a majority of the recovery is taking place. Wow, that's pretty incredible. Now, what about for a guy like Bill? What can he expect when he has surgery and he's got his kidneys coming out, he's got a kidney put in? How fast will that kidney start to work for Bill filtering the blood in his system? Well, so the kidney actually starts working as soon as we uh, reestablish the blood flow going to and from the kidney. So it is working um, before we leave the operating room. Um, and so, you know, we can tell that because the, the kidney's job is to make urine, and we see that it's making urine uh, right there in the operating room. So what is this, you know, uh, the perfect candidate for donating a kidney? What does that person look like? person could be anyone. Um, I mean, really... Ideally, we would, uh, the ideal donor would be someone who is um, uh, younger, um, obviously need to be pretty healthy. Um, but that being said, we really don't have an age cutoff. Um, you know, we've, we've uh, uh, had donors come forward that are in their uh, mid to late 60s. Um, so age by no means is, uh, is an absolute cutoff. Um, we want to make sure that when we when we are selecting a donor, we have we have two interests in mind. We have the donor's interest, and we have the recipient's interest. And so, at the end of the day, we want to make sure that the kidney that we're leaving with the donor is going to be enough for the donor um, for the rest of their life. That they're not going to uh, run into um, problems um, with their remaining kidney. And also, we have to make sure that the kidney that we give the recipient is going to be enough for them. So. Um, you know, things like diabetes, hypertension, uh, or high blood pressure um, are things that over time we know are damaging to kidneys. So those are things that we typically try to screen for. Um, but just because you have one of those conditions, again, doesn't necessarily mean that it's an absolute contraindication. All right, we're talking with Dr. Paul Staler from Abbott Northwestern Hospital in the great city of Minneapolis, Minnesota, <laughs> about kidney 
transplant, kidney transplants, kidney donations, live people, kidney donations. And we're talking about this because my buddy Bill Boyson is in need of a kidney. A very good friend of mine, one of my best friends for over 30 years, really wanted to make sure that we... Um, that we highlighted this on I work for him. Now, Dr. Paul, the blood type, what, I mean, the blood type's got to be a perfect match, right? So, uh, ideally the blood match, the blood has to match. Um, there are scenarios which, uh, the blood, uh, does not, uh, have to match. Um, depends on your blood type. So, uh, as you know, that there are four different blood types, A, uh, B, AB, and O. Um, O donors, can uh, just like just like uh, donating blood, they can donate an organ to uh, anyone of, of any blood type. Uh, okay. But for the most part, A's need to donate to A's, B's need to donate to B's, AB's need to donate to AB's, uh, and so forth. And do you, Bill, do you know what blood type you are that you need a donation for? Blood type O. Is that what it is? Blood type O. Bill, did we lose you? Okay. All right. So the blood type O. Okay. So Dr. Paul, talk to me about the screening process. What's it look like for those people that are considering donating a kidney towards this cause? Yep. So uh, initially we start with a a general uh, health questionnaire. What what medical problems uh, do you have? Um, Are there, uh, do you have any um, uh, history of high blood pressure or diabetes? Have you had kidney stones? Have you had recurrent uh, infections of your kidneys? Um, those are that's the initial screening process, uh, and then after that, then we'll um, typically look to see if your blood types are compatible. Um, we will look to see if the immune systems are compatible, um, and then the last step is typically getting a, a CT scan of the uh, of the kidneys to look and uh, uh, actually get a 3D uh, uh, reconstruction sure. of the kidneys. Make sure it's all good. Dr. Paul Staler with Abbott Northwestern Hospital in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Thanks for calling in. Give us a little education on kidney donations and kidney transplants. I really appreciate you taking some time to talk about this miracle that God prepared you for and doing. You've done 200 plus of these. It's amazing that God gave you that skill. Thanks for sharing that. Thank you. And Thank thanks you. for saving lives. Thanks. Thanks, Dr. Paul. Thanks, Jim, for the opportunity. You bet. All right, make sure if you're considering making a kidney donation, you check out online or check out Susanna Gust at Abbott Northwestern, the Kidney Transplant Department, 612-863-8886. 612-863-8886. You know, I think it's important to note at this point, the reason that we're giving out Susanna's phone number is that people can start this process without letting anybody know. Anonymously, and correct. Be, they can be anonymous about it, which is actually a cool part of, Nikki's story is that she didn't know until Christine had passed, I believe, the third level of the testing and was, you know, told, yeah, this is this is a good match before Nikki knew about it, because it saves a lot of the um, emotion, you know, the up and down and the uh, um, the concern and all of that kind of stuff. So that's why we are put, putting this phone number out there so people can call and ask questions directly to Susanna Gust. All right, so Bill, you, you've heard the doctor, you've heard your daughter, you know your daughter's miraculous story of how God provided so incredibly. In your case, Bill, what are you praying for? Well, I'm praying for her to continue to be healthy and continue to not reject her kidney and to have a great life. And then secondly, I'm praying for that person out there that God touches and says, be a donor and is a match for me, and I can get a kidney and get off of dialysis as soon as I can. Mm -hmm. Let's face it, we all want to stay on the green side of the grass for as long as we can. (laughs) And 
when you've got kidney disease like this, like Dr. Paul said, 13 people a day die from lack of a kidney transplant. Mm. I don't want to be one of those 13. That's yeah, right. I get it. I get it. Well, people can contact Susanna Gust about donating their kidney, 612-863-8886, 612-863-8886. Bill, we're going to pray for you online right here so it's recorded so people could just hear it over and over again. Father, we just lift up my good friend Bill Boyson and ask that you would provide a miraculous kidney for him, that his kidneys can come out and his new kidney can give him a, a life back to be able to enjoy the rest of the years you have for him here on earth we pray for that person right now to be motivated to donate and we just ask this in the incredible powerful name of jesus amen amen, amen. bill we thank you for sharing your story and i work friend. we only got to share a little bit of it but i do appreciate your friendship you've been a great friend for 30 years a loyal friend and i love you and i appreciate you so very much make sure you please we're praying for you and marietta your bride of almost 50 years. We're praying for you guys all the time, and we're thankful that you shared your story, and I work for him. Thank you, Bill Boyson. Well, thank you very much, Jim and Martha, and I really appreciate you putting my story on. I work for him. As we celebrate life today, really, we've done an amazing, had an amazing show already, Martha, as we talked with our good friends Bill and Nikki and heard about the whole story of Bill needing a kidney and being able to talk to people from uh, Abbott Northwestern and Minneapolis and just that whole as we as Christ followers got this extra kidney, some of us can get rid of it and help somebody live a life more fully and maybe be able to share their faith at the same time that goes along with their kidney. How I, I, That was just amazing. I'm just inspired. Yeah, I, I just really hope that um, our listeners got to hear something, you know, that they maybe didn't know before and be able to apply it to something they're walking out or thinking about. I'm excited to for the next part of our conversation, but I want to make sure that if people are interested, and maybe you didn't hear the beginning half of the show, you're just tuning on to the bottom of the hour, go back and look, listen to the podcast. It'll be out there on iWork for him sometime tomorrow uh, for the, the, the show. So please look it up, hear the whole show here, how Bill needs a kidney, and maybe you can go find out if you can help donate yours or donate yours to somebody else in order to work a trade. Uh, but you can always, if you want to know more information about that, call the I Work For Him listener line at 866-713-9675, 866-713-9675. That's the I Work For Him listener line. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to have you get involved with us. Give us your feedback. Share a testimony on how the show is ministering to you. And if you want to find out how you can donate your kidney to my buddy Bill Boyson, 866-713-WORK. Okay. Now, we wanted to pick up the conversation on the second half of the show to talk about something that we talked about on our, our recent marriage retreat cruise. We thought that this was a topic that everybody in the world should hear about, and so we grabbed this one for this uh, half hour of the show. Yeah, so we, um, the whole concept, and you know, you this session, we call it Sticks and Stones, and we remember as little kids, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words may never hurt me. And I that never is ever said so, that. Oh, well, good for you. Oh, no, I said it all the time. <laughs> I was absolutely it, a three year old until I was like what, 15. What a, or 50. what a false statement. Totally a lie. It, it, and I don't even know where we came up with that. Did you ever research the history of that? Um, I did remember? not. So I, I might I just, have. I just am so, um, it's sad because it stuck and so many people think about it, but it's, you know, that whole concept that no words really do hurt. And we it's easy to repeat the words in our head. If somebody says something to us, especially that, um, you know, was disappointing or hurt our feelings, 
we hear that over and over again. So it not just hurts us once, but we're able to repeat it over and over and believe whatever it is, whether it's true or not. So we focused an entire morning on the topic of words, the power of words to lift up, the power of words to destroy, the power of words to encourage, the power of words to destroy. And we talked about it in relationship to marriage. And because this is a together on Tuesday with Jim and Martha, we wanted to deal with the marriage and relationship topic. Obviously, kidney health was a big part of the first half of the show. And really just as, you know, in marriages, sometimes there's there's just difficult things. We said for better, for worse, and sickness and in health. And this is one of those health things. That's why we wanted to highlight that. Again, if you don't, if you want to know what we're talking about, you got to go back and listen to the beginning of the show. All right. So I wanted to talk about words because words tend to uh, destroy people. So, you know, we, we, we talk about the sticks and stones thing. In fact, on the marriage retreat cruise, we found, um, a, I found a song by a group named, I think it was Cass was the group that um, did a song, Sticks and Stones. And it said that um, words can destroy us, but words can make us come alive as well when, when people speak into us. So it is really important that we deal with this. Okay, so what's the truth about words in marriage? They really, words are powerful. Words have the ability to uh, to destroy us. And what we found, one of the resources we used on the trip was a book called The Power of the Woman's Words by Sharon Janes. That was a book you had found. Yes, and it was fabulous because it was just talking about how um, it was it was directed only to women, but we felt like the the topic was universal in the sense that my goodness what we can how we can speak life into people how we can speak truth into our children our spouse our neighbors our family um, though everybody that we come in contact with so we kind of use that book by Sharon Janes which I love her writing she does a great job and um, applied that to this whole concept of the things that you say you we really need to realize how powerful they can be and be intentional about it. Actually use that um, to, to you know, help people through life with the influence that we might have on them. So in addition to the resource of The Power of a Woman's Words by Sharon Janes, we also use the books by Mark and Susan Merrill, List to Love by for Busy Husbands and List to Love by for Busy Wives. Yes. We had them on the air late last year, and what a powerful couple of books. If you are looking for absolute cheat sheets for giving away uh, the books, are you talking to me, give, should we give away the books? Your absolute cheat sheets, you're totally distracted. No, Martha's. sorry, I was just doing thumbs up. Okay, so what, I, I, sorry, just having a great conversation That's while it. we're live on the air, no big deal. All right, so <laughs> these books, we'd love to give them away, but I think you should go and buy them. It'll mean more to you. Lists. To love by for busy husbands, busy wives. If you ever wanted a cheat sheet for marriage, then these are the be the books. I mean, it just I was it was awed by the things they have in there. So later on in this uh, half hour, we're gonna we're gonna list the twenty five things you should never say to your husband, never should say to your mm-hmm. wife, and then the things that you absolutely should say to your husband and should say to your wife. But I wanted to hit first what what does the Bible have to say um, about words. And and I want to ask a question. Why is it that we are constantly throwing, why do we throw daggers, word daggers, at the ones we love? What do you think? Mm, that's a very good question. I bet you, you know, and this is where I think it would be so good if we'd had more psychology. We both talk about that all the time. But, you know, sometimes it's a defense mechanism. You've been studying me for 35 years. You have a, you have more, you have a doctorate in Jim Brangenberg psychology. Well, 
Okay. You were telling me just the other day while I was while, while I was typing a text. You're like, "What kind of naughty thing are you texting?" Like, I wasn't typing anything naughty, but I was. Typing no, I could tell it was funny. cynical or something because you had this funny grin on your face, and then you told me what it was, and it was it was. See, I you, can tell you got a psychology but, degree. So I think people throw daggers um, to put up a defense mechanism, like take the focus off of me, let me lash out at you, or do something that deflects from maybe the the actual conversation that you need to be having, that could be one way. Um, just being angry, um, being, um, you know, wanting to control. I mean, there's just so many things that we, and we may not even realize it. We may not understand why we do. You know, some people, you know, will say, I don't know why I, I acted like that, but I did in that moment. So probably some kind of a survival thing for some people that maybe they've learned over the years as well. You're listening to I Work Rim together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha as we're talking about the words that we use in marriage, the power of words to lift up and destroy, the power of words in marriage. So what does the Bible have to say about words? Mm, Proverbs 12, 18 says, <laughs> there's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 15, 1 a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You know, we've seen people practice that. You know, just, I'm going to just talk nicely back to you, even though you're being angry. And it's really hard I'm to not keep angry. yelling at somebody when they're talking so sweet and nice to you. If James 1.26 says, If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Ephesians 4.29, which is actually my life verse, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Matthew 15.10-11 says, And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Mm, huh, that is so true. Proverbs eight twenty one: death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. I mean, that, that verse is so powerful because we run into adults all the time who were fed death by their parents or a sibling all their lives, and they believe those words, and those words have wounded them deeply, and only Jesus can bring healing from those guys. Really, only Jesus can bring healing from the power of words spoken into us. But that's why we focus on working on healing ourselves and not using those kinds of words. You know, I remember, just let me expand on that too. I remember when the, our kids were really little, somebody... It's too long ago. It was ago. a long time ago. Not that they're old or anything. They're old. But um, They're 25 and 27. They taught and 41. me how that the power of speaking, you know, I used to tell Joshua, you are so smart. You are so, you know, instead of being... Oh, you're not as tall as everybody else or whatever. I, you know, you know, he's average height. So I don't know, you know, but just, I didn't speak that I spoke. I, I intentionally tried to speak good things into him that could bring life into him. Proverbs sixteen twenty four says, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Psalms 52, 2. Your tongue plots destruction like a sharp razor, you worker of deceit. I think James 3, 3 through 6, I, I got this in the message mm, this version. This is great. 
A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word a careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, and send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Hmm. Smoke right from the pit of hell. I think it's important to understand the Bible has a ton to say about the power of words and the good in them and the bad in them. Because they, it, it seems like words settle on our soul. Well, you think about how many, you know, when you were just were reading this verse, how many things are communicated to us through speeches. We go to conferences. We go to workshops. Our president gives a speech. We um, listen for the, even the nightly news is really speeches that people are telling us what's happening. And by the way they tell us, it it's either good or bad. And, you know, there's so much today that's all about hyping up things to make it sound different than they really are. So when it said here in the scripture, by our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke. That is powerful. And we're excited that you tune in today. We're hoping that something we say today will cause you to dig deeper into your marriage relationship, into your relationships with others, to recognize that the power of words in our lives to to build up and destroy. It's so powerful. That's We read a whole bunch of Bible verses in the last segment mm-hmm. about words. It's so important that we recognize what uh, God has to say about this. And if you're just tuning in right now, you've missed a very powerful show. As the first half of the show, we focused on our very good friend of almost 30 years, Bill Boyson, and his need for a replacement donated kidney. And uh, boy, I'd love for you to listen to the podcast and then spread that out all over your social media because we need to get my buddy Bill Boyson a kidney. So go back out to iworkforhim.com. That's iwork, the number four, him.com, and listen to the full show from March the 13th, 2018. Okay, Martha, the 25 things a wife should never say to her husband. Why don't you read that list? I'll read the 30 things a husband should never say to his wife. We're going to read the whole thing. Okay. I told you so. These are things that a a wife should never say to her husband. Yeah. Bad. You're always in a bad mood. You just don't think. It's all your fault. What's wrong with you? All you ever do is complain. I can't do anything to please you. You made your bed. Now lie in it. You should have thought about that before. You never listen to me. All you care about is yourself. I don't know why I put up with you. I can talk to you until I'm blue in the face and it doesn't do any good. If you don't like it, you know where the door is. That was stupid. What's your problem? I think you should say this with more emphasis. I don't think so because I don't like them. Okay. So, (laughs) sorry. Again, these are things a wife should not say to her husband or to anybody. What's your problem? Do you think you're always right? You don't own me. You never help me around the house. Who do you think you are? You're impossible. What do you want now? You're such a big baby. It's all about you, isn't it? It's all about you, isn't it? How many times do I have to tell you? Those are things a wife should never say to her husband because those words hurt. And men, because we're provider protectors, all of those things hit our respect factor. They they hit where we're built. Now, 30 things a husband should never say to his wife. And yes, the list is longer. Don't read into that. It just, it's what I came up with. 
Husbands should never say these things to their wives. Are you done getting ready yet? Is it that time of month again? You're the spitting image of your mother. You're really going to eat that? My ex makes the best apple pie ever. Are you pregnant? Is that what you're wearing? Yes, that dress makes you look a little on the curvy side. You should just relax. I don't know why you're getting all emotional. The house is getting messy, don't you think? Hurry up. You'll get over it. I want a divorce. You're so lazy. Maybe you should go to the gym. It's up to you. Yeah, she's sexy. Saying, I love you during a fight. Not a good idea. How come you don't wear things like that for me? These are things that a husband should never say to his wife. When he doesn't say nothing at all. That's not good either. All right, calm down. Relax. What's wrong with you? What were you thinking? What did you do all day? Oh my goodness, don't ever say that. Is it that time of month? I don't love you anymore. Are you going to eat all that? Get off my back. You're always nagging me. You're just like your mom. As you can see, that list, both those lists of things you should never say to your husband and never say to your wife, mm. compiled from a couple of books, The Power of a Woman's Words by Sharon Janes and List to Love By for Busy Husbands and Busy Wives. Those are powerful lists. Those are things you should never say. Now, let's focus on the positive thing. Glass half full. Yay. 31 things your husband longs to hear from his wife. I've been thinking about you all day. What can I do for you today? How can I pray for you today? You know, the best part of my day is when you come home. You are one of God's most precious gifts to me. Thank you. I'm sorry. You are so wonderful. You look so handsome today. She only says that to me when I'm wearing a suit, by the way. (laughs) You make my day brighter. I don't feel complete without you. You are my best friend. I love spending time with you. Thank you for taking such good care of me. You are my knight in shining armor. I will always love you. I trust your decisions. I can always count on you. What would you like to do? I prize every moment we're together. I see God's fingerprint all over you. You are such an inspiration to so many people. You are such a wonderful father. You could give classes on how to be a great husband. I believe in you. I love being your wife. I know how important it is to live within our means. I'm with you on this. I'm so grateful for your spiritual leadership. You are so wise. Thank you for helping me with that. I am impressed with how you handled that situation. 31 things that your husband longs to hear. That was a big, long list, Martha. And I would tell you that the thing I love to hear most out of that list. Yes. All of them. Oh. I don't know. I know. I don't. Boy, I don't know if I can pick one. What resonated with you? What are some of the things that resonated? I love being your wife. Okay. That's the thing I'd like you to say to me. That would be weird if I said it. (laughs) No, I get that. I Um, understood. Uh, I'm impressed with how you handle the situation because if you mm. say that, then I know that God is working in my life. <laughs> um, I prize every moment we're together. I see God's fingerprints all over you. Those would be really good things. I, lo- I love those things. All right, now the list of the 31 things your wife longs to hear. And again, if you look at the 31 things the husbands long to hear from their wives, those were all respect and they were respect focused. Um, because husbands, that's just a, a driving factor in how men are built. Now, these you're going to find are a lot more love-focused because women's they need to hear that they're loved by their husbands. Well, Jesus said, you know, husbands or Paul said, husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church. This is the way to do it. 31 things your wife longs to hear. I'm listening. I love you. Can I pray for you? You look amazing. You're my best friend. Let me get that for you. Good morning, beautiful. I can't wait to see you. 
Sit down, put your feet up, and rest. If I ever said that to you, you'd go, I don't even know how to do that. I'm cooking dinner. Would you like that? Martha would say, now it's my kitchen. She'd just give me a look. Okay. All right. Uh, take some... Say, take... Time. Some time. Uh, take for... <laughs> take some you time. I'm taking the kids. I'm not going anywhere. Let's put the kids to bed early tonight. I love to say this as much as she loves to hear it. I need you. Being married to you is the best. Let's take a walk. Except during March when the pollen is really thick. I arranged for a sitter and a date night is planned. Can you be ready by seven? Will you wear that dress that I love seeing you in? What would you like to do today? God has great plans for us. You are amazing. You're a great mother. I'm glad you're my wife. I have a surprise for you. You smell good. Thanks for all you do for our family. Let me watch the kids. It's not watching, by the way, because you're a father. So it's really, I'll be with the kids today. Let's go out tonight. I'm sorry you had a hard, frustrating, disappointing day. Tell me about it. I would marry you all over again. How can I be a better husband to you? Those are really good. And again, we took the combination of these lists of things to say to your wife and say to your husband for material from List of Love by for Busy Husbands and Busy Wives by Mark and Susan Merrill. Honey, what are those things do you want to hear more often? Um, you know what? I, I think that I, although we don't need a babysitter, the the uh, it says I arrange for a sitter. A date night is planned. Can you be ready by seven? I think having that anticipation, like you know, oh, you've planned something, and that kind of goes along with the one that says I. So have you're saying a I've lost our spontaneity. I didn't say anything about what you've, you but do or like don't do. That more do. I just was saying that that was something that just okay. stuck I'll, out to me. I'll work on. I'm going to write that down. Okay. Oh my goodness, that's why it's so dangerous to be here on the radio with everybody <laughs> listening. Um. I, there's, you know, so many of these things you already spoil me with, with saying, um, I would say if I were, oh, good morning, beautiful. If you actually, no, you do say that even if my hair is sticking straight up, right? Um, I just tell you it looks sexy. There you go. Did I just say that on Christian radio? You did. Uh-oh. I think that any of these are really things that, um. And you you do a good job of affirming me. Can I put the list up, up on the mirror? Would that be okay? Or would that drive you crazy? Um, it, inside the medicine cabinet would be fine. <laughs> I don't like to look at paper taped up on my mirror. Uh, okay. All right. So the whole idea was to understand that the power of words in our marriage is the words to have the power to lift up. They have the power mm-hmm. to destroy. And so very little of our time is thought about the words that we speak. And we've got the power with our tongues to lift people up each and every day, whether it is uh, at work or at home, whether it's our spouses, our children. But these are great lists. And again, I would just recommend get these books. Mm-hmm. The Power of a Woman's Words, List to Love By for Busy Husbands, Busy Wives. But be careful of the words because sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me is a big, fat, stinking lie. Names hurt all day long. And we need to stop it. As Christ followers... Romans 12, 2 fits in here. Let God change you by the very way you think. I mean, this is what we got to do. Martha, it's gone so fast. I can't believe the show's over already. Yeah, but we, you know, we interviewed these authors before, so they could always go back and listen to that show with Mark and Susan Merrill as well. If we just had all the dates memorized, it'd be fantastic. Oh, no, they can search it on the internet. You've been listening to I Work Frame with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.